You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. If you will, please turn your pew Bibles to page 896. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The Word of God for the people of God. We had some excitement last night at our house, oh, 2.30 or so. Um, we start, our dog, Scout, started barking and growling and um, would not stop. And so went out to see what was going on. And he had uh, cornered a raccoon up against uh, part of the wall. And so we spent uh, a good bit of time as a family uh, in the middle of the night getting an injured raccoon convinced to leave our backyard. And uh, um, I laid down and was given some more attention as I tried to go to sleep to the message. And I kept thinking, the one who does not enter by the door but climbs in another way, that one is a bandit. So... (laughs) Um, so if I have a rant against raccoons later, you'll know the background of that. Um, th- this passage has, has a few 
um, distinct sections where Jesus is kind of using figures of speech, of, of metaphors uh, to, to share truths. And they, they kind of uh, blend together, but, but there's still sort of uh, distinctions here. So first, uh, one through six, he is um, the one who climbs over and doesn't enter through the gate as a thief or a robber. The, the shepherd enters into the pen uh, to get the sheep, um, doesn't climb over. Someone breaking in doesn't... Um, um, you know, break in by just walking through the door. And, and the idea is that, that the true shepherd enters the gate, the sheep hear his voice, and he takes them out to pasture. And so anyone who's coming in by another route is illegitimate. They're, they're there for um, evil purposes. They're not looking out for the best of the sheep. They're, they're going to steal. They're going to um, rob them. And so they, they didn't understand this. So again, he says, uh, then he, he says that I am the door of the sheep. The metaphor now has changed a little bit. Um, and, and this is the sense of out towards the pasture, um, they would have kind of a, a, a fence that was built up. And we think of a door, you know, we're thinking of the door itself, the thing on the hinges. Get more of the idea here of the, the entrance way. So what they would do is they would have this gate and they would put briars on top of the, uh, this wall. They would have briars on top of the wall and they would have an entrance. And they would bring the sheep in and so they would be protected at night and from, from wild animals and from others. And the shepherd himself would often lie down to sleep in the doorway to, to kind of be the entrance, to, to block anything from coming in or any sheep from wandering out. He was the protection. And so he's saying that he himself is the entrance. He is, he is the gateway to go into the pasture, to, to come into safety. And then again, he says that he is the good shepherd, over opposed to the hired hand who is just hired to take care of the sheep, who's kind of, you know, just interest in, in the, the paycheck. Uh, the good shepherd has the sheep. They're his own. So he's going to have more concern for them, more care. And he goes beyond that to say he is the good shepherd who even lays down his life for the well-being of the sheep. The shepherd theme, strong metaphor throughout Scripture of God's care for the people and, and a, an example of, of what leadership and care for the people to be and Jesus is coming now and says that he fulfills that role. He is the one who is the good shepherd. He is the one who is the entrance to the pasture. He is the one who really cares for us. As I was thinking about this passage, it struck me the dangers that the shepherd is protecting the sheep from and that the others failed to protect the sheep from. And as Jesus is giving this sort of warning against the wolves, against the robbers and the thieves and the unconcerned hired workers, it struck me that I'm not sure we're adequately aware of the dangers to our soul in this life. I think we tend to have kind of the sense that, you know, maybe basically everybody's kind of good or basically everybody's kind of neutral and, and we don't really have dangers and worries. And if we find Christianity, if we become a believer, then, you know, that's good and maybe it adds things to our life and makes us better. But I don't think we really think about there are dangers to our soul, that there is one who is an enemy who wants to see our destruction, who wants to see us fail, who doesn't want us to come to Christ. 
And so we, rather than hearing the voice of the shepherd, are constantly bombarded by other voices. And these voices are not neutral. You know, as we read and as we uh, you know, listen to things and as we watch movies and, and as we're bombarded with ad- advertisements and all these things surround us, we're hearing voices that are part of a rebellious world, a world that's opposed to its creator, that's not seeking our best interest, that's not seeking our well-being, that we, we have all these voices competing against us, telling us that they're for our good, but they seek to kill and steal and destroy because there is an enemy active in the world around us. There, there are powers at work opposed to God, and they use these voices to seek our destruction, our stumbling, our failure. So one of them is just the outright wolves who seek to come and to destroy, to devour, and to scatter. There are those who are absolutely seeking destruction of others. Uh, Usually they're not doing it because they just want to destroy, but it's those who are seeking their own well-being, their own hungry stomachs, their own uh, ideas of what they want, and how many you know, destroy because somebody wants to make a profit. Um, somebody wants to uh, build up their own ego. Somebody wants to build up their own sense of self-worth. I, I just think of, you know, the, the, there was the recent lawsuit against drug companies, and I don't know any much of the details there. But I do know that there is greed. And there can be times that people push things regardless of the effects on others. If they can increase the bottom line, who cares about the damage it does to other people? There, there's lots around us who they're seeking power, and so they tell us that, you know, if you vote for me, if you vote for my policy, and let me um, keep you afraid of other people, um, and as I gain power, I, they, they claim that they'll help us. But in the end, what they seek is their own control. You, you watch a television show, and the, the highest paid riders are the ones riding for the commercials, not the ones riding for the program. The, the, the cost of a Super Bowl commercial is insane. That should be enough to tell you there's a motive beyond just keeping you happy and entertained. It's let's, let's develop needs. Let's, let's make you worry about things. Let's make you concerned for our own well-being. Uh, for their own well-being. And just this week, we see this is not just outside the church. How many in the church use religion as a way to manipulate or control to be a false shepherd? Even if not criminal harm, just to boost an ego and to have power over others. And we have dangers around us. Jesus also warns against those who would say, I'm going to protect you from them, but have no real concern. When, when Jesus talks about all those um, you know, who come before being like hired hands or, or those who seek to um, steal and kill and destroy, there are those who seek harm, but there's also those who, even if they're not necessarily seeking harm, 
they don't have enough true interest in you to provide for your safety. So when real harm comes, they flee and leave you to destruction. I, I, I just I think of how often we go through uh, cycles of different um, kind of pop psychology and, and just trends of things that are going to be the thing to help you find safety, help you find security, help you find nourishment or, you know, live your best life and help you find all these things. I, I think the Enneagram is one that's now, it was, it'll, it'll fade out. There'll be another one. There, there's going to be a, you know, um, some other secret that's going to give you life. There's going to be all sorts of trends that come by of a different philosophy, a different approach. They don't go quite as fast as diets, but they still fade in and out, promising things. They're hired hands. They have no real concern. And over against these who seek our destruction, these wolves and thieves and hired hands, there is the good shepherd. There is Jesus who knows his flock, who calls you by name. We're gonna, we'll get into the, the concern he has, but, but understand this, that he, he goes in and he calls the sheep out by name. Shepherds in the Middle East would, would I, I guess still do, they would take their sheep to a watering hole and different flocks would come around and the shepherd could call out and as these sheep are all mixed in drinking when the shepherd's ready to leave he can call and the flock separates from the others they hear his voice and they go out with him they know who he is and he calls them by name he, he the, the shepherd would know different traits about the sheep there's long ear there's there's, you know, uh, short tail. There's, there's tripod. You know, you can guess why he got the name tripod. He, he knows the sheep, which means he knows their character. In the, in the Bible, your name is not just something given to you. It's your character. That's why names are changed. That, that's why the idea of knowing a name means knowing not, not just a label, but who you are. That's one of the most beautiful things about this passage is that Jesus knows your name. He knows your character. He knows who you are. One of the doctrines that's related to our understanding of election is that God doesn't redeem generically people. That Jesus didn't die on the cross kind of as a buffet of anyone who would come, putting out a sign and saying, if you're interested, here it is, I've done it. But that he has purchased the redemption of individuals. That he didn't die on the cross for humanity in general. He died on the cross for you. His blood was for your sin. He doesn't give, you know, it's not a sign just saying open nine to five. It's an engraved invitation to a person he knows saying, you belong to me. I've, I've paid for you. I know your name. You are mine. And so we come to one who knows your character, including your sin and your failure and your weakness. He doesn't know the character you put on for 
everybody else. He knows your true heart. He knows your name. And He calls you by name because you are His. He comes to you personally and says, you're mine, come to me. And His flock hear His voice as they call His name. And they go in and out. They find pasture. And they are safe. That's what He says in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and he will find pasture. This is what the shepherd does for us. He saves us. He rescues us. He, 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 if, if you come to Jesus, you've come to one who gives you true safety and security. I mean, if he calls you by name, knowing your failures and your sins before he even calls you, what do you ever have to fear You'll never be turned away. And He comes that you may go in and out. Uh, there's this idea of freedom. Um, you're going in and out. You're, you're not constrained. You have true freedom in Him. Um, my friend Terrence, who has filled the pulpit for a couple of times, had a great quote on Instagram. He said, if God is pleased in you, why do you spend any time worrying about those who aren't? His hashtag was Freedom. And I thought, for a people pleaser like me, that is great freedom. If, if God loves you and has called you, isn't that wonderful freedom to be who you are? Freedom to not have to put on a mask? Freedom to live in um, that, that salvation He's given to you. They come in and out and they find pasture. He nourishes His flock. He leads them to the green pastures. As he says elsewhere, they've come to kill and steal and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have life abundantly. He feeds you and sustains you, and he is the source of true joy and true life. Why would you ever seek your life in acclaim or career or money or relationships? I mean, all of those are good and we want them, but they don't lay down their life for you. They say you lay down your life for me. You, you give to me. If you really want this, you have to pay the price. You have to give the cost. And here is the good shepherd who provides and gives and secures us uniquely. This is one of those passages where Jesus talks about He's gonna, um, He is the, the, the door. He is the way to enter into life. It's one of those where he says he is the good shepherd, not a shepherd. It's a passage where he says, I'm going to go to other flocks, those outside of Israel, and I'm going to bring them in, and they're going to hear my voice too. There's going to be one flock and one shepherd. He doesn't say there's many paths. He doesn't say all roads lead up the mountain. He doesn't say anything you follow, as long as you're really sincere, it will get you there. He says the others are thieves and robbers, hired hands incapable of giving life you know I, I i used to kind of struggle with the claim christianity made about jesus being the way the truth and the life and the only way and to me it always kind of seemed like oh, we have the answer y'all are wrong and an argument over knowledge but but don't you see what jesus is claiming is radically different than what other people said he doesn't say i'm going to point you to the door he doesn't say, my teachings will show the message. He doesn't say, I'm speaking on behalf of the shepherd. 
Jesus says that he himself is the door. That if we want to enter into life, it's because we have union and relationship with him. Not because we're following his teachings, but we're following him. We're hearing his voice and we're following the one who is life. The one who lays down his life. Not the, not the one whose lessons will teach us how to have life, but the one who himself gives life to us. And I hope that uniqueness stands out and shows that he is the only one that we hear his voice. He is the only one who gives his life rather than saying, you give your life on my behalf and I'll reward you. He says, I've given you my life. Receive it in faith and trust. That is how he provides safety. That's how he gives us his freedom. That's how he nourishes us by laying down his life for us. We come to Him who saves us by Himself taking the injury we deserved. We have the freedom because He took the penalty we deserved. He nourishes us by giving us His very body and blood as the bread of heaven, as our own nourishment. In Him we have life. Do you hear His voice? Do you hear Him calling you through the Gospel, calling you by name to come to Him and to trust in Him and rest in that security and rest in that freedom and know that you have life everlasting because of Him? Now unto Him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. 